Good morning and welcome to West this morning. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend your Sunday morning, whether you're here in person or worshiping with us online, we are grateful that you've chosen to spend your Sunday morning here with us. Now, it is a little early for April's, April Fool's Day, but I do believe that technology-wise and heat-wise, uh, if it could have gone wrong this morning, I think as they were setting up and preparing, the projector bulb blew out, so uh, everything is on our side TVs. Really, if it could have gone wrong this morning, it has. And so I just ask for a little grace from you this morning for our tech team and, and our worship team. Uh, they're working really hard to overcome all the obstacles that have sort of stumbled in our way and how appropriate, because this morning we are finishing up basically the, the biggest majority of our message series series that has been talking about getting naked. I'm glad that I chose to wear like real clothes this morning instead of the bathrobe because it is a bit brisk up here. Apparently, uh, you know, the change in weather has thrown the heating system here for a loop, but uh, we've been talking about getting naked. And so for the last five weeks, the worship team, I, some of the greeters, we've been wearing bathrobes and trying to do lots of different things to help us remember that really to grow closer to to God, we actually have to get naked, meaning not that we take off our clothes, but that we peel away all the things that get in the way of us connecting with, with the divine, with God, with love, with that which is bigger than we are. And we've talked about words that we can use as we pray to God to overcome those obstacles first by saying here, just by putting ourselves in the presence of something that is bigger than we are, than the divine, and then thanks, and then oh. And then we talked about how we needed to acknowledge that there are things that we do that get in the way, like say, sorry. Sorry, not necessarily sorry to one another, but sorry to God. You know, there's stuff that, that we do that we think that, that clouds who we are and gets in the way of that ultimate connection with something bigger than we are. And then for the last two weeks, particularly, we've been dealing with tough topics. We have dealt with the fact that there are just things that exist in this world that bite, that are awful, that cause our, our lives to struggle and cause us to struggle and perhaps come in between us actually even believing that there is a God. You know, why do babies, why do young children get cancer? They've not done anything wrong. And that's going back to a theology that if we live right, that life is good. It's called a prosperity gospel. And then if we do things wrong, if we focus on ourselves or if we sin or do things that are bad, then our lives become bad. And so we've grown up, many of us have grown up believing that, that if we live good enough, that God's going to reward us with all these riches. You know, if, we, if we're living right, we're going to find parking places that are closest to the door. You know, actually, those things, I believe, are somewhat silly. That is not how God works. God is not a, a giant puppeteer up in heaven, and, and we're the puppets, and he's moving the strings and making us do things. So therefore, we have to question this theology of, you know, God makes everything happen for a reason. Your fascination with these last two weeks and the questions that you've sent me via email and text have caused me to continue to wonder, you know, what are some of those things that we question in the scriptures? So I put out a survey this week on Facebook. You know, there are myths that we think that exist about the Bible and they just aren't true. Things that we think are in there and they aren't. And one of those is that 
everything happens for a reason, that God makes everything happen for a reason, and that just is not in Scripture. So this morning, we're sort of tying it all up on this Palm Sunday, and we are going to look very briefly at the word why. Why is one of those words that, believe it or not, it is okay if we cry out to God and say, why? Two weeks ago, we talked about when, crying out to God, you know, when is, when is my life going to get better? When are you going to show up and actually be God? Because I'm tired. I'm tired of these difficult circumstances that I find myself in. So when was the first part of this this trilogy. And then the next word was no. We rage against God and it is okay. We've grown up with this idea that we cannot question God, that we can't argue with God, that we can't be angry about our circumstances. And that is not true. Who can receive a diagnosis of something like cancer or their life be falling apart financially or or work-wise or relationship-wise and not want to be angry I mean, we're not called to be doormats. We're called to be living, breathing human beings with emotions and thoughts and feelings. And so we are not supposed to just go through life pretending that everything is easy. And so we talked about raging and and screaming out, no, no, God, this is not fair. No, this doesn't make sense. And so today, as we prepare to walk through Holy Week, and we're going to actually do all of that this morning, recognizing that Holy Week services, midweek services are difficult for so many of you, we are going to travel through the word why, asking God, you know, why does this stuff happen? And where are you in all this? And then we're going to journey to the table, the communion table, and we're going to remember some of the words that Jesus told his followers, his best friends, before it seemed like their world fell completely apart. And then we're going to end today in person here, nailing nails into the cross. And then after that, as the worship team sings, I invite you to leave in silence Because you see, that sort of wraps it all up. It wraps it all up because, you know, when they nailed him to the cross, that was humanity at its worst. We believe that Jesus was fully human, just like me and you. We also believe that Jesus was fully divine. And so in that crucifixion, we can see The pain and the agony that comes when evil exists in this world. Do we believe that God was, you know, up in this mystical place called heaven? Because heaven is not a place. Heaven is a state of being, a state of perfection, a state of being at one with God. That's what the word atonement means, being at one with. We believe that Christ, you know, resurrected to the heaven, to that perfect peace and that perfect love. But before that, he went through the utter, utter trial of being put to death. And in that, we can find ourselves. Do we believe that God was up in heaven, you know, making those people nail him to a tree? No. We don't believe that God made that happen. That was human circumstances. And now theologians will debate for forever, you know, did did God preordain that and all that? But if you read in the Gospels, the narrative of the last week of Christ, you see that humanity was at work in overtime, 
Jesus was challenging their status quo. He was causing them to look at all their rules of religion. And they were angry because he was ushering in a new kingdom, a new way of living, a new kingdom of heaven, a new kingdom of God. And it was one that was mandated by love and peace. And that is not the kind of king that the people were looking for. So today, we're gonna look briefly at that word why and and what do we do with that. Then this summer, we're gonna do a message series debunking the myths of scripture. What are the half-truths? Because you see, I think some of the things that we think it says, it's only half-true. God uses all things for good for those who love God. I think that's sort of what we get when we say, uh, that's what we take when we say that everything happens for a reason. Well, that's not in there. But we do believe that everything, no matter how bad, no matter how tragic, God takes it and uses it. I want to start by giving you a real life example. A friend of mine that uh, Scott and I were friends with when we were back at North Morganton in Morganton, North Carolina, like 20 years ago. She and her husband, we met them, they're teachers and just a great couple. She's probably about five years younger than I am. So, you know, like 15, you know, she's young and uh, she has, thank you for laughing. Uh, She has three small boys and about four years ago, she was diagnosed with colon cancer. Over the past four years, uh, we've kept up on Facebook, and I read her post, and it's always inspiring because, you see, sometimes she'll get frustrated because, you know, the cancer will show up in a new place, and she'll have to go through another set of chemo or go to new oncologists to try to try some new treatment because, you see, the prognosis is not very good, but one of the things that I was struck by was uh, two years ago, she put this post as she was getting ready to go in for surgery. She said, I want you to read this post by a new friend of mine, and I'll leave his name off, but a new friend that she met as she was going into surgery, and they were in the pre-op together. He, too, was going through oncology treatments. Now, I want you to hear his words this morning because, you see, we do all find ourselves in places in life where we are in the middle of the worst circumstances possible. And when we are there, after we've cried out when, you know, when, God, is this going to change? Or when are you going to show up? And then, no, God, this is not fair. If we can go through those first two words and if we can come to the place of why, That's sort of when all of our defenses are gone. All the walls that we put out, trying put up trying to protect ourselves, they've been broken away. And there in that quietness and in that still moment, it's just us, vulnerable and raw. And it is in that quietness and that vulnerability that God shows up. Now, God may not show up with a magical, mystical healing, but I promise God shows up. And this post that I'm getting ready to read to you from a young man battling cancer is proof. I'm sitting in Chapel Hill today for multiple tests and scans. I've completed one and I've received the injection and IV for the second one. 
as I wait for the fluid to run through all the areas of my body so that any areas of concern will light up on the PET scan, I thought I would share some thoughts with you. Cancer has taught me lots of things. It has taught me that life is not always fair, that there will be tough days. There will be stress. There will be feelings of hopelessness and loss And there will be feelings of pain and hurt. There will be physical pain and emotional pain. But those days and moments help me to appreciate the good times and the good days so much more. I want to pause there for just a second. So here's this young man who has stage four cancer and the prognosis is not good. He's waiting on his PET scan and he says there's going to be physical pain and emotional pain, but those days and those moments help me to appreciate the good days and the good times so much more. And then listen to what he says he's learned. I've learned to love deeper. I've learned to tell people that I love them more often and with more meaning. People tell me all the time that I stay so positive. Well, I must tell you a secret. I'm a really good actor. Oftentimes, I'm scared to death. But I find a way to fake a smile or crack a joke or do something stupid if needed just to get through those moments. But as I was waiting to get checked in this morning at the hospital, I was reminded of something. No matter how bad it may seem or feel, I can always look around and see a situation that is much worse. I was reminded of that as I saw a young child checking in with multiple medical problems. She had a home health nurse and her mother with her. It broke my heart to see her and know how unfair it was for her to have the medical problems that she has. But I also saw that she was surrounded by people who care for her and love her. I saw another young woman in her teens who was waiting for a scan. She was bald from chemotherapy and was still trying to keep up with her schoolwork. I know it has to be tough. In the cruel world we live in these days, I know what it's like to have people stare at you because of your medical scars. And here's the part that I think can resonate with all of us. So see, you've heard what he's gone through. You've heard his perspective and and how he views others. And then he says, but throughout it all, I'm reminded of how good God is. And on my worst days and moments, I can see God and I can feel God's love. I can see and feel the love of so many people that I know care about me. We can all find the good, no matter if it is during one of our mountaintop experiences or where we are in the valley. We just have to look around for it. And we may have to take a step to change our perspective. But if we look, we can find it. And if you can't see the good, perhaps you need to have your eyes examined because there is good all around. Even in the terrible situations, there is good. We want this to be like a magic wallet of credit cards. And when we find situation number one or situation number five, we want to be able to come in here and like 
whisk out the credit card and you know swipe it or use the new little chip technology that isn't quite developed yet. And we want it to answer it. We want it to solve problem number one, problem number four, problem number 5.3. We want it to solve everything. We think that scripture is supposed to be that. That's what we've been taught. That is not what this is. This is a family album of our historical ancestors And it shows us how they lived. It showed us how they faced every circumstance, no matter how good and how wonderful, when God gave Abraham dominion over the land, or how tragic and sad. That's what this is. It gives us a most beautiful view of the divine being that holds this all together. But nowhere in here does it say it's going to all be good. It doesn't even say that in our human understanding, our intellectual understanding, it's going to work out the way that we want it to. Case in point, when Jesus sat in the garden, he prayed, God, Father, if there is any way that this cup can pass from me, then please, let's find another way. And then it says that he was in so much anguish that he wept tears like blood. But if you also read in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, where that happens, after he cries out, Father, if there is any way that this cup can pass from me, if there is any other way than me going to my death on a cross... Let it be. After he prayed that, Matthew writes, an angel of God showed himself and he found strength and he found peace. There's our answer. And sadly, that's the only answer we're going to walk away with today. I don't have an answer of why bad things happen to good people. There is no answer that I think we will ever understand here on earth in this part of the kingdom of God for why life bites so bad. Why a young friend of mine has three adorable boys and she has a terminal disease and her prognosis is not good and she's on chemo treatment number 31 and Every day is a new day and a new gift for her. And she sees it that way. You know, that's not fair. But nowhere in this does it say it's going to all be fair. So this morning, I want to read you just a few passages from the book of Lamentations. It's an Old Testament. It's a Hebrew scripture. And it is where the author is lamenting to God, crying out to God because life is difficult and life is hard. But I want you to hear these words from the author. And I want you to remember that these prayers that they offer, uh, ushered, uttered, uttered, sorry, these prayers that they uttered up to God are the same prayers that you and I can share today. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes or the poison that I've swallowed. I remember it all. 
Oh, how well I remember. I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there is one other thing I remember. And in remembering, I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love could not have run out. God's merciful love could not have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great is your faithfulness, God. I'm going to stick with God. I say it over and over because God is all I've got left. When Jesus was in the garden praying, the gospel writer Matthew writes that an angel showed up. Angel means messenger from God. Now, the young man that was battling cancer that I read you his post, do you remember how he said that, you know, when he was in the the waiting room and he noticed the young girl with her mom and her home health nurse being there? He goes on to say about all the other people that were there showing her love. Guess what those people were? They were angels of God. You Every one of you here and you online, you have potential to be an angel of God. An angel showed up in that garden with Christ as he cried out. And somehow in that anguish, he found peace. That is the answer to why. God, why is this happening We won't find a definitive, concrete reason number one, two, and three. But what we will find when we look for our answer to the question why is when we cry out and we let ourselves be as broken on the inside as we truly feel and we will express that brokenness on the outside in that brokenness and in that vulnerability, God shows up. Many times by the people that are around you right now. And God gives peace. So this morning we are going to walk to the cross. We are going to participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion. So if you are worshiping with us online, I invite you to find some bread and some juice. If you have it in your home. And we invite you to partake in the sacrament with us. As you come to the table in just a few minutes, I want us to remember. Remember what it would have been like to be in that inner circle with Jesus when he, in his full humanity, was crying out, you know, this is not what I want to do and this is not where I want to go. But God, if it's your will, then so be it. And God shows up. And God gives Christ, this fortitude and this ability to persevere through the worst things. Now this morning, we know that the worst things are never the last things because we know how the story ends. People experienced some mystical presence of Christ after the crucifixion. They experienced the resurrection And this morning, we can experience that too. But that is not how we will end today. 
we will end today only going to the cross. Because you see, there are times in our lives that there is no easy answer and the sun does not seem to shine quite as brightly the next day. One of our small group leaders, after she got the curriculum for this week, for the next week of small groups, she wrote me and she said, uh, that passage in Lamentations is one of my favorites. It has very special meaning to me. She said the reason is because it talks about how there is a new day every morning. So this morning, as you come to the table, and then in a few moments as you come to the cross, I want you to find wherever it is that you're broken. We all are. We don't like to admit it sometimes, Because you see, we think that life, as I've said before, especially in the past couple of weeks, we believe that life, you know, needs to fit in this little box with pretty shiny paper and a bow on top. But as I just read to you from a young man who is battling cancer and another young woman who is battling cancer, that it doesn't fit in a box with a bow. Things like cancer and mental illness and financial woes and relationships that are broken and addictions, you know, those things don't make the box wrap up really nicely. And we all have stuff. So this morning, it it isn't intended to be fun. And this message isn't intended for you to walk away and go, whoo, we had an amazing day at church. You should want to come. That's not what Holy Week is all about. I hope, I hope that today we all walk away knowing that something inside of each of us, each of us is broken. It needs healing. And in a few moments, we can bring that brokenness and we can nail it to the cross because someone was willing to go to death so that we could see what it really means to have life. Let us pray. Gracious God, in your amazing and holy and divine spirit, I ask that you pour out your presence right now on this bread and on this cup. Make it be for each of us your living presence in our lives. Make it be for us your body and your blood. And God, this morning in the quietness of these moments, let us all become honest and get naked with you, God. Let us find that in us that is broken. Let us admit it because sometimes we just think we need to have it all together. Like that young man who is battling cancer and we lift him up in prayer. Like he said, I'm a good actor this morning. God, we don't need to be actors. Let us get real with you. And first, now, let us receive your healing presence through your grace, through this bread, and through this cup. We offer our prayers in Christ's name. Amen. And then after he went to the garden, uh, they came and arrested him, and they threw him in a pit. When we were in the Holy Land a couple of years ago, we had the opportunity to go to where they believe the, the pit was. And that is where Psalm 88 was written, where there is the only psalm that never actually gets back around to having any hope at the end. It was in that darkness that, you know, he 
receive that answer, Father, not my will, but yours. And then they took him to trial, and then they took him to the cross. We all go to the cross this morning. And so if you're worshiping with us at home and you don't have nails and wood around, I just invite you over the next few minutes to sit in silence and listen because you'll hear a couple of hundred people nailing nails in the cross. As you all sit there and prepare to come to the cross, I invite you just to enter into a time of silent prayer or meditation. But I invite you each to come take one There's nothing fun or glamorous about this, but there's not really anything fun and glamorous about Holy Week. But you know what? After we live through this week, we do see that the worst things are never the last things. I invite you after you come to the cross and we'll have people holding them and there's nails and hammers at each one, so there's two lines. I invite you just to leave in silence. And I invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning, either online if you're vacationing or uh, here in person and we're having sunrise and the address is on the website. But as we prepare to go to Easter, let us pray. Gracious God, you showed us what sacrifice was all about. And some of the most beautiful parts about this story is how he died. Because you see, he didn't argue with them. He, in full humility and love and grace, took it. And he took it so that we don't have to. And so we can cry out, no, and when are you gonna show up? And God, we can cry out, why? And it is in those moments that we can remember that we're not the only ones that have ever cried out in pain. And we can remember that just like Christ didn't die on that cross alone, we don't have to struggle here alone either. God, accept our brokenness this morning as we each come to the cross.